When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dudley boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue but before we get into it if you're a fan of this sort of thing make sure you subscribe to what called dressing on either itunes spotify wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review raw smackdown nxt aw dynamite pay-per-views we have interviews roundtable discussions like this one and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on wrestling culture as i said though joined by michael sidgwick and sir we are gathered here we are socially distanced here today to talk about Kenny Omega, Impact World Champion. He, of course, won the title to add to his collection. We'll get onto that in a second. Uh, at last night's Impact Wrestling Rebellion pay-per-view in a match against Rich Swan, title for title. First of all, before we get into all the fallout from this, your thoughts on the match itself, Michael Sidgwick. It was the weirdest thing, right? It was the weirdest thing because I firmly expected, right, the match to go a certain way. I thought the build of this was tremendous. I think they made so many inspired choices along the way to promote this match. It's been simmering for ages. They've built it um, in a trios match. It's hard to kill. Um, They did a 42-minute long press conference to build this in which Kenny Omega just entered this bravura performance as um, this aloof, totally pretentious brilliantly so obviously he's a tremendous heel um just a wonderful display of hubris at this press conference where he's talking about his plans for the title and what the title would do to his legacy and how it would just reinforce his godlike status and then josh matthews was um like overseeing the um the press conference and he just gestured towards josh matthews and said i might even defend the title against you if i see fit it's just like hilarious lines. He's talking about the annals of time before Tony Khan had to correct him and say it's actually the annals of time. Um, tremendous 42-minute press conference. Wonderful promo work throughout it. Um, and then they did several angles on um, Impact Television. It was all promoted so well. 
I do not like Mauro Ronaldo as a commentator, right? I think he's completely descended into parody. He is tasked with immersing people in the action, but is just insistence on wordplay <laughs> and doing what he perceives to be clever things, right? I think are so detrimental to the job. They're so counterproductive to what he's meant to do. And yet enough people like him, enough people miss him, and enough people equate him with being the voice of combat sports as much as pro wrestling, that his very presence, and he was reined in on the night, you know, I thought he was actually quite good beyond one or two shut up moments. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an inspired choice in the absence of a crowd um, to try and get something over to sort of emulate that big fight atmosphere. It did feel big time with his voice. Yeah, I thought that. That's the thing I thought was really clever, particularly since Impact's commentary isn't much isn't much worse without Mauro Ronaldo, to be fair. If there's going to be bad commentary, the bad commentary must at least feel big time. I thought they made so many inspired decisions along the way. And yet, Wilborn, the key issue with this match going into it... Um, Beyond the fact that AEW didn't bother to promote it, which I've got a theory on that, which I'll just tell you very quickly before I go back into my thoughts on the match. Mm-hmm. My theory is that they're working a storyline where on the impact side of things, AEW appear on program and just bury it. So it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't do it. My working theory is that Kenny Omega wanted to prove that he could go to a smaller company that's completely bereft of buzz and without the advantage of... AEW promoting it. I think he just wanted to walk in somewhere and prove that he could draw. And I think he wants to genuinely do good things to the pro wrestling industry and to elevate it as a whole. He's always been interested in collaboration, but I do think on a personal sort of pride level, I really think he just wanted to have not so much help and think, I just want to go in and pop this goddamn territory. (laughs) And I'm all about that. I really am. So as I was getting to, the build was great. Getting... Ronaldo to commentate on it was a great inspired idea, even if I subjectively do not like his commentary at all. The only issue with the match is everyone knew Rich One wasn't going to be AEW champion. <laughs> yes. It wasn't going to be AEW champion. So I watched this match as a big Kenny Omega fan, as a wrestling uh, content producer, as um, someone with a vested interest because of how Bill... The, how effective the build was. I went into this match firmly expecting, well, there's going to be a lack of drama, a lack of drama here, given the result isn't really in any doubt whatsoever. But given the two men involved, particularly Omega, I'm expecting this balls to the wall, incredibly worked, amazing main event, just without not that much drama. Mm. Weirdly, the complete opposite happened. There were two glaring botches Either Rich Swan got gassed or had uh, or was knocked loopy. He took like a real nasty looking landing on the apron mm-hmm. and two really glaring botches that couldn't have resulted from more convoluted positions of struggle on the top turnbuckle, which made it all the worst. It wasn't like a miscommunication and they just bumped into each other or something. They were agonizing over doing something on the top rope. Was it for a like, one-winged angel? Did I, did I misread that on the second one? There's, there were two things, right? The first one was, I don't know. But I think, <laughs> yeah. can you make a decide, right? This, I'm just going to take a back body drop so it looks like something. The second one, I'm convinced, and this is insane, but I Kenny Omega would have done it. I think because they were building the one-winged angel as the ultimate death blow as they have been doing throughout his entire career. And they were going to 
get over the idea that Rich Swan is putting up a fight, so Kenny Omega is going to have to do a top rope variation just to make sure it actually goes ahead and it happens. And what happened was they botched the top rope Poison Rana, yes. which he's taken before. He took it at Revolution um, from Nick on Matt Jackson. Unfortunately, Rich Swan isn't a young buck. He isn't quite on that level. And he seemed to be gasped or loopy or something. So something went badly awry there. And, you know, it's a botch is something I won't laugh at ever. And it's not something I would mark a match down for if it doesn't matter that much. But they came at key moments in the match and they just took you out of it because of how long they labored to set up the moves that were yeah. um, eventually botched. So it was the worst possible moves to botch. So at various points, I was thinking, oh, this isn't that great getting taken out of this those botches are particularly glaring and yet the last 10 minutes was somehow given the fact that they hadn't built this momentum where you're completely immersed in it and they hadn't really they couldn't really do anything to establish Rich Swan as an actual credible threat of the AEW title I just don't think there's a way to do it even maybe if you'd appear on AEW Dynamite but that's you know they didn't do it so it is what it is and yet the last 10 minutes I don't know if they indirectly benefited from how knackered Rich Swan appeared to be but the story was he is getting murdered by <laughs> V-Trigger upon V-Trigger upon V-Trigger they had the brilliant idea to position impact as a place unlike AEW where our DQs and interferences happen all the time. Um, could we see some kind of screw job um, given that's title for title and each side of management, Scott Demore and Tony Khan had a vested interest in the match and securing the outcome. They teased that wonderfully just to add an extra layer of drama without it informing the finish. Just the tease of it was like enough to get you involved in the action. In the last 10 minutes were great. A lot of the work was much better in the last 10 minutes. It was an absolute two of the force performance from Kenny Omega. Um, and given that Rich Swan looked as knackered as he did, it kind of added something, possibly not by design, just to the drama of the finish. He was getting V-triggered in the oh. face over and over again. They looked worse than the barrage that John Moxley got a winter was coming. So I think they... They were lucky in terms of one, avoiding serious injury on those head drops, and two, the story of the match could not have better accounted for how knackered Rich Swan was and how much of a level above Kenny Omega was um, over him as a performer. So yeah, it's a lot. It's a long way of saying, Jesus Christ, it's the opposite of how I expected it to go, and it was still really dramatically effective as a result. But I've seen much better Kenny Omega matches. But man, those last ten minutes were triumphant considering the dynamic and what had happened in the match previously. Yeah, there's a fine line you have to walk as a performer like Kenny Omega, I would imagine, in terms of being an absolute house. So, like, when he got the chair, I was like, you don't need that. You quite clearly are going to win this match through your, you know, skill and talent in the ring. And obviously, Aubrey Edwards confiscates and stuff. And the way that got set up with him getting out with a cutter, I think it was, Rich was going, Rich one went for and, and hit it on the referee instead. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I said this to you this morning, the V triggers. Could he make him look a little bit more snug? Uh, sweet Jesus, they came through the screen at me. Uh, like you say, a bit like uh, when he fought Moxley and then, yeah, the sort of inevitability once he actually got him up and nailed the one-wing angel. All I could think was, uh, he's going to be 
even more unbearable on Dynamite this week. Um, before we get into like the, the 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 next steps for him and this title and the elite, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, your your thoughts quickly on Kenny Omega, the belt collector, because I thought that that visual at the end was was just so good. You know, flanked by the Good Brothers, who of course lost lost their titles, uh, but also with Don Callis there. I, I love a good belt collector gimmick. I've got to be honest. Well, it's interesting you say the word visual there, right? Okay, and that's kind of what it's all about. Hmm. It's all about the visual. Obviously, one of those titles that he holds has been built as incredibly prestigious. It is the number one title for um, the number two promotion worldwide. It looks beautiful. They've done an absolutely phenomenal job from day one of building it. So that grounds everything. The idea is that belt having an association visually with the other belts really merits this um, belt collector gimmick. But it's only visual, the impact title. I mean, it's just drawn a decent goddamn number for a pay-per-view, but Kenny Omega holding it, he's, it's the man makes a title and not the other yeah. way around. And I think that's his idea that he can establish this title and then years down the line, if AEW potentially has a few stale directions or it needs a shot in the arm, they can always go back to this existing relationship. Now, there's reasons beyond the now and the belt collector gimmick is a big, big part of it to do this kind of thing. It's not just this fascinating cross-promotional warfare. I'm into it. I'm into it. There are various problems that will come with such a gimmick in that at some point he's going to go to Mexico and lose a title. No one will care, really, watching AEW Dynamite. Losing the Impact World title might dent his aura if they haven't got the story. But the thing about Kenny Omega, famously, is that he thinks in years and that he does think of the long-term goal. He hasn't just gone to Impact Wrestling, thought, if I draw here, it does really good for my reputation. So let's just win a title and then we'll think about it later. Like He's got a destination in mind. TNA, uh, Impact Wrestling will have a destination in mind. Basically... He's not going to lose it to anyone at any time because Impact tell him to or because he really he thinks he's already done this. Like there's, There'll be a well-thought-out, meticulous plan. But it's funny when you say visually it's a great thing because that's essentially all it is. But at the same time, he's so intelligent as a pro wrestler, Kenny Omega, that he can tell stories that builds his aura. The last 10 minutes of that match, and I think the steel chair was meant to... Just be a nice little political story beat that Rich Swan in subsequent promos when he's building his next match said, oh, the god of pro wrestling needed a chair to beat me. What do you think you're going to do? Like That's why they did the chair gimmick. But ultimately, the last 10 minutes of that match and how decisively and how brutally he ended Rich Swan on the night, that's all to get over the idea that Kenny Omega right now is an insurmountable god. That's the word that he and Callis have been using very, very regularly. The idea is he's a god. No one can beat him in a singles match. He's unbeaten in singles competition since either All Out 2019 or Full Gear 2019, depending on how you want to look at things. The finish totally informed this um, character development and this arc that he's currently on. And the belt collector gimmick, even though those belts are nowhere near on the same level as Prestige, the fact that there's enough of them Mm -hmm. and the fact that he is really working his balls off like you did last night to make one of those belts feel remotely in the orbit of the other is all putting itself over it's all complementing itself i'm a big fan of it i'm a big fan of it visually he looks like the most decorated because he is pro wrestler on the planet this is all 
unfolding deliberately in parallel with the fact that he's winning all these matches and all these great matches. Um, I'm a big fan of it because ultimately, whoever beats him for all of this is going to be totally and utterly made. If you've beaten this version of Kenny Omega, this god that they refer to him as, then it's going to feel in storylines and hopefully it'll resonate through the storyline as like a real win and a real cap um, for whomever does defeat him. But it will feel like a breakthrough career win for whoever ends it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Before we get on to fantasy booking, who takes those titles off him? I'd love to know if you think he's going to add any more belts to his collection before they start, like you say, not taking it off them, but but slowly stripping away that aura. I mean, I know Hamlet last week, for example, booked a sort of double or nothing, double or nothing match uh, between Kenny Omega and, and Darby Allen, which I think is fascinating. There's always the the links to New Japan. What what do you reckon to either of those things? Um, the New Japan thing feels a little bit elusive and fantasy unfortunately and the belt doesn't even look that good anymore maybe he doesn't <laughs> yes win, but you know he could still carry it it would still be this incredibly amazing jesus christ 
not only have you got literally the old Kenny Omega back, the IWGP champ, but he's the AEW champ, he's the Impact champ, he's the AAA champ. It would just be this incredible development. But I feel like the working relationship between New Japan and All Elite Wrestling is nowhere near established to do such a thing. Mm. There are quite obvious practicalities involved as to why such a thing can't happen. Um, I think Tony Khan has been very careful in establishing this New Japan relationship. Sorry to go all boring politics to piss in your chips, but they are important considerations. Like oh, yeah. He doesn't just give the IWGP championship to anyone. And there are traveling concerns. There are practicalities as to why you can't just willy-nilly fly Kenny Omega in and out, particularly since Tokyo has just declared a state of emergency. Mm -hmm. I think the idea from AEW's side was to almost court New Japan into this relationship to like seduce them into doing more down the line because it was most of the resistance came from the New Japan side for quite some time. The idea was like if we promote your match on TNT, that might do stuff for New Japan World. And New Japan, like, right, okay, we can form a working relationship on the back of this. Apparently, the door is open when the world returns to normal. We'll see a lot more of it. And I can't wait for that. Um, as long as Tony Khan's booking it, Jesus Christ. But for now, given I don't expect this thing to last, I don't expect Kenny Omega's bell collector gimmick and the success of it to last longer than the whole pandemic. <laughs> The New Japan thing feels elusive. I apologize to the stands of which I am one at this time, which leaves the TNT title. Um, I personally wouldn't take it off Darby Allen when he's so successful at it. Um, and because I'm so consistent and unbiased, Wilborn, I pointed out right that the big problem with Keith Lee winning the NXT and North American titles last year, it's like, right, okay, well, you want one to remain a concern. You can't retire one of the titles. Whenever you win two belts in the same promotion, one, even if it's already kind of accepted as lesser than, we accept it in that, that's still great kind of way that we do with the TNT title. If Kenny Omega was to win it, you'd have to lose the TNT title before the world title, which wouldn't depict him as any kind of world champion, if that makes sense. Um, or he could lose the world title and then lose the TNT but he still doesn't feel like a champion if he's lost the world title and defends the TNT. It's all very mucky in pursuit of said visual, but Kenny Omega is clever. He realizes that he can lose the impact title at some point in a, in impact canon, and it won't quite matter as much as it would if it was the TNT title he was losing at the same time as holding. He could abdicate it like he did, like Keith Lee did, but then what does that say about the title? I don't really want that one that much. Mm -hmm. it's just it doesn't really work um so long story short i can't imagine what titles is going to go to for next you have to consider the ramifications of who they're willing to work with who's willing to work with them but can you make us a man of surprises this is a guy who shocked the world through the likes of the good brothers through the winter is coming shocking conclusion through opening the forbidden door and allowing kenter in this man is shocking the world Don Callis, I believe, has alluded to the fact that there are probably a few more things to come in that regard. Who knows? They might lean on that NWA relationship. Mm. It's a pretty one to hold. And the relationship still exists under rules that are still working AEW as well. Um, and NWA really hasn't... They used to be like a big part of the discourse and they had a nice little respectable audience um, getting developed for power. 
raves that were getting among certain wrestling fans. It was never for me. Murray loved it. I didn't really like it that much by the odd performer and those performers are in AEW now. So why, you know, NWA basically is struggling for relevance and maybe something like this could help. But politically, that's the only one I can see that makes sense at this moment in time is the NWA. Worlds. Love that. The worlds. It's this is the apostrophe and the S adds so much. <laughs> um, I alluded to the inevitable showboating, let's say, on, on Dynamite coming this week from Kenny Omega, from the Elite, and most importantly from Don Callis, who you will not be able to shut up, I sense, whether it be in promos or on commentary this week. But yeah, what's next for Omega, for the Elite, uh, and, and you know, who do you see taking these these titles? You don't have to book all of them if you don't want to, but who do you see taking these, these titles off him and, and possibly even in what order? I don't have the greatest in-depth knowledge of Triple R. I just don't. Um, so it's going to be harder for me to answer that question. The easy thing for me to say would be either Phoenix or Laredo Kid. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Which is the two that I'm most familiar with. And beyond that, I do make time to watch... Um, it's either Vikingo or Vikango, but this guy, El Hijo del Vikango, is absolutely unbelievable. And given my absolutely botched pronunciation of the man's name, a lot of it's through MP4 and GIFs from In The Know Lucha accounts. Um, I simply don't have time to watch Triple H, Triple mm-hmm. A as much as I would like to, because every time they do a fantastic Amania show, it's an absolute hoot for all of the right and for all of the wrong reasons. Um, it almost intersects every single one of my values as a pro wrestling fan. <laughs> it's so entertainingly awful or just outright blow away awesome. Um, so if he defends it there, I'll definitely be interested. But I really don't know is my honest answer to that. And I don't know. A lot of Western fans are more likely to gravitate towards Japanese wrestling than Lucha in my experience. Um, all of which is to state that if he quietly loses that one, that he doesn't even appear on telly with when he's not um, taunting Penta or Phoenix with it. Uh, <laughs> that one won't matter quite as much optics-wise. Yeah. Impact will because Impact has got this rep, which Kenny Omega is trying to help rehabilitate as this zombified league that somehow contrives to still exist. How does it conspire to not be dead They've even named a pay-per-view after this phenomenon called Hard to Kill. Um, Optics-wise, it doesn't matter when and to whom he loses that AAA title. It just doesn't. Um, Phoenix, just because it means you'll get another Kenny Omega versus Phoenix match, and that always absolutely tits. Mm. So that's my answer to that. With Impact, they have to be really a lot more careful because its name, as yet, is... it's. A lot of people were high on Impact Rebellion as a show. Um, a lot of people were high on this match. And I think a lot of the people who didn't think that it was executed to the level you might expect from a big league Kenny Omega main event was still like really in admiration of what, how much buzz it got, mm. how much it was trending, how many tweets people saw about it, how many tweets people tweeted about it, the apparent buy rate that's done really good numbers by their standards per Brian Alvarez. Like, it feels like a company that is capable of generating buzz, but whether it can generate sustained buzz is another matter. As yet, despite a really well-received Impact Rebellion, despite the fact that in terms of its personnel, how long they're keeping guys around for, the consistent storytelling, 
TNA burned too many fingers so that people aren't going to pay any attention to it because they just it's been stigmatized as this inexplicably bad thing. Even though it's not to my tastes and a lot of the bad things that happen on there are still kind of prevalent in terms of the undead realm or whatever the hell it's called and Tommy Dreamer working matches, Jesus Christ. It's not like the awful piss people off kind of bad, if that makes any sense. It's just bad taste bad. There's a difference between putting stars in awful counterproductive storylines and burying them and being totally incompetent. That's one thing. Actually embracing like bad wrestling and bad comedy and like arm drama and sports entertainment, but doing it with sort of a relish and a wink and a nod. That's Mm. how I would describe much of the impact um, that I see now. But to this day, it remains the company that is stupid. That's that stupid company, isn't it? That stupid company that used to have loads of stars and then pissed them all away because Vince Russo booked it. That is what people think of Impact. Um, All that being said, I think it's almost imperative that Kenny Omega not lose that Impact title before the AEW title. And I'm fairly convinced against the WWE head is all wrestling stupid. No, I've seen enough great wrestling. That's really intelligent. But because of WWE's goddamn monopoly over 20 years, you still ask yourself these questions. Are you stupid enough to have him lose that title for the AEW? Because that would be really bad. Um, even if it's not in AEW canon, every wrestling fan who watches AEW or like 95% of them will know what impact is and will know yeah. that Kenny Omega is now the champion of it. It would look bad optics-wise for him to lose that. As to who... A lot of people in my mentions have asked me today, so I'll field this question here. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said, oh, what about Samoa Joe? I quite like that for one reason. It's not going to happen, which I'll tell you for a very good reason in a minute. But I quite like that for one reason. Even though I don't want to see Samoa Joe in AEW because of the, it's just too many people who need to get on telly more than they are. Then a thrashed Joe, who I love, but I feel like there's a lot of sentiment being directed towards Joe more than an honest appraisal, appraisal of what he can do. I would take the Joe storyline in Impact because the big thread of Kenny Omega going there, and it was wonderful on the go-home show of Impact because he just said, oh, wish I could be there in person to build the match, but oh, I, can't, I can't, unfortunately. Like a disingenuous prick who just, <laughs> pisses, who just pisses all over the fact that Impact Wrestling is anything without him being so magnanimous to elevate it as its champion. It's a great thread. So there's a nice, strong idea in someone who was impact wrestling through and through to stand up for the company mm-hmm. to eventually, after winning however many matches and mounting a serious, credible challenge and a threat to dethrone Kenny Omega after he loses the AEW one as like a representative of impact wrestling. Um, so they can tell a happy ending for people who like impact because they've got diehard base, clearly. Like there's people who stuck with it through just... Generations of disaster, I would describe the plague that has swept through that cursed company. There are people who still love it. There are people who still adore it, like mega dedicated fans. And I think they will get a happy ending through the surrogate TNA impact loyalist figure. That could be Eddie Edwards. Uh, that could be someone who at this point has been there for two years. That's what qualifies one these days. Samoa Joe's a good idea for that exact person um, I loved his work in ROH more than I ever did in TNA, even though his best matches in TNA were great. But I always consider him more of an ROH guy. I think it's more an honor to his legacy. But regardless, he is still kind of synonymous with TNA. Be a great idea to 
keep that thread going of Kenny Omega being like aloof and superior to Impact and one of Impact's own lads like mm. just killing him for that title and sending him scurrying back to AEW. The problem is that Samoa Joe became available long after Kenny Omega had this idea and firmed it up and realised exactly who he's going to drop it to. That could change if there's a better story, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, Eddie Edwards is a guy who's... I feel like they're going with this direction next, but he would, probably, he would be a good guy to dethrone him ultimately because Eddie Edwards is a guy, right, who had a legendary run with the American Wolves. Really great run in ROH. TNA has his reputation. I'm calling it TNA. It's Impact Wrestling, but it kind of just it invites the word TNA to come out of your mouth because of the stigma. TNA has this reputation, and it kind of got reinforced at the worst moments of um, rebellion last night. Is this place where disillusioned or I don't want to say lazy, but like just wrestlers who weren't as good as they were in WWE go to Impact Wrestling to get a payday and do a run. I'm not going to name names, it's cruel. Um, but there were certain wrestlers where I thought, yeah, you're not hitting the beats that you did when you were like really on the cusp of making it. You're kind of happy to get a payday there. Um, Eddie Edwards isn't that. And he's proud to represent Impact. He's been saying this quite a lot throughout this build um, with one eye on him being an Omega opponent. He's like the wrestler who happens to work for Impact because he likes it. And yet I think could still do something for a proper major promotion. Mm. He hasn't just been stigmatized as this wrestler who's good for Impact, but, you know, they missed their opportunity to work elsewhere. Um, Eddie Edwards could be the one. He intersects that Impact loyalist, actually still good wrestler with a decent enough currency in certain circles. That would be okay optics-wise to lose to Omega. So for me, Eddie Edwards is the one. Phoenix is the one because I want to see the match. And as for AEW, go back and listen to our other Kenny Omega theme podcast, the title of which escapes me right now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from, because Hangman Page has to win it and he has to win it at All Out. Yeah. 100%. Because All Out is the, the venue of his failures, his failure against Chris Jericho, his failure to keep the AEW World Tag Team titles and his friendship with Omega and his support network and the elite intact. The elite have now become complete arseholes. Hangman Page was right all along to feel like they were patronizing him to keep themselves on top. And All Out is the venue of his redemption. So Phoenix, Eddie Edwards, slash Hangman Page. Love that. A couple of final questions here. Uh, have your fun with how you think it's going to be introduced on Wednesday. What what, what do you think this is going to be going down? Now, especially now their personalized trailer has been wrecked by uh, Moxley and Kingston. Never mind all that. How are they going to react to this to this new belt being added to the collection? And you mentioned the the lack of impact stars appearing on AEW in the build to this. Are you, do you see any changing that in that perhaps? Um, really, no. I think if they were going to do something about putting over the fact that he's Impact AEW champion, uh, Impact World champion, I think they would have promoted the pay per view. Yeah, If they had a real vested interest in making you want to watch Impact Wrestling with the idea that the stars of Impact Wrestling or the wrestlers of Impact Wrestling were going to then appear on AEW going forward as part of this cross-promotional exercise, then I genuinely think they would have sold this match on TNT, and they didn't, which leads me to believe that they will probably show you a backstage promo of him with the Impact title. You might even see him wearing it 
for, as you point out, just the pure visual of all these belts and how good he must be. I don't think it's going to drive any storylines. And I don't really think you're going to see much of an impact, uh, an influx of impact guys on AEW Dynamite. Shows are stacked enough. And I think it's quite apparent at this point. But it was December all that started. It's April now. He's won their title. It wasn't promoted. I think the idea is Ken Yamaka wants to be a two-promotion guy more than AEW wants to do any kind of cross-promotional warfare or feud with Impact Wrestling. Um, I think he wants to be a two-territory guy with the idea of elevating it because of a genuine love for the business, a genuine love of the idea of collaboration stemming from his, you know, adolescence watching the Monday Night Wars and how great it was to watch these. And he wants the, the this generation of fans to experience that same thing. But at the same time, I think he wants to have in his legacy, he's a big legacy guy. He wants to be remembered as a great, he wants to be remembered as the greatest all-rounder. I think this is legitimately um, also, I don't think it's too selfish, but I think he's just selfish enough or driven enough or likes the idea of popping a territory that could not be popped until Kenny Omega walked through that door. And I admire that in him. I really do. Uh, and without treading on our toes ahead of the uh, AW Dynamite preview later on this week, Finally, yeah, what do you see them doing this week to celebrate their leader's latest conquest? A throwaway line. I, I, I genuinely just say a throwaway line. They would have built this if they were really, truly bothered about making it feel like a big deal. Um, I think we'll get... It was taped, or they could easily have taped something after Rebellion with everyone there and just stick up an AEW backdrop and then insert that into the edited Dynamite broadcast, because that's in the can as far as I'm aware. But there's not going to be any big in-ring celebration. Look at this god. Uh, I don't know if they've had the belts by then. They could have borrowed them. Or, I don't know the um, ramifications of all of the practicalities of all the logistics. But I just think we're going to get a throwaway line and a nice little visual, and that'll be that. And then we'll be a two-territory guy, and the two are barely going to interact with the other. I just feel like that's the way it's going to be. I think that they're trying to go back to the idea of the travelling champion, mm. not the cross-promotion, like the travelling champion who can go anywhere and win anything. He's not a draw, though, is he? No. I mean, you only got... If you look at all... By all accounts, I think the Heart to Kill got the second-best TNA buy ever. If you look at like all the WWE X stars who have headlined TNA pay-per-views and didn't get that number, I mean, it's ridiculous the idea that Kenny Omega is in a draw. He's either going to get the number two or number three pay-per-view all-time buy rate with this main event. Ah, he's not a draw, though. He's not a draw. Uh, right, let us know your thoughts on the future of, well, Impact Wrestling and Kenny Omega, I suppose, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. But this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.